Hello and welcome back to the latest Think Business podcast powered by Bank of Ireland. Carlo-based HaloCare is a digital solution supporting remote healthcare and ageing in place for older people, as well as care in the community for those with long-term illnesses. CEO Sarah Jane O'Dwyer talks to us about how digital discreet devices in the home will be a game changer for people and caregivers. Sarah, tell, tell us about what, what is HaloCare all about? HaloCare is a startup that uh, was co-founded by Niall Kelly and David Walsh and Dr. Johnny Walker back in 2019. Um, it was around the time that they had attended the Carers um, Award Ceremony in Dublin and COVID was just about to hit. And, you know, it was a couple of months later that Leo Varadkar was on the television looking for private companies and enterprises to come up with solutions to help to support the government. Mm. And um, the three co-founders came up with a solution called HaloCare. And HaloCare is a technology company that provides services and devices into homes to help um, and support older people to live independently and live longer in their lives. Mm. So our technology and our devices are discrete, very, very, very small. We have the tiniest little microchips about the same size as my nail that will sit on the back of a microwave, for instance. So if an older person, for instance, who might have a cognitive impairment, um, such as Alzheimer's or dementia, if they you know, get their meals on wheels delivered or they get their meals delivered by their family and they take it into the home, but yet the family don't really know unless they physically stay there if they have actually eaten their dinner. So we have these tiny little microchips that sit in the back of the microwave that we can tell that, yes, Sarah Jane has put the food into the microwave, that Sarah Jane has turned on the microwave, she's opened the door and she's also, we can also put them on the cutlery drawer, for instance, so we can tell that she has opened the drawer and taken the cutlery out and had her meal. And we have all these tiny little discrete devices um, that are all contactless that are positioned all around the home. Mm. We also have a state-of-the-art care hub um, facility here in Carlo that is built to the incredible, you know, industry best class, class in standards um, and is manned 24-7 by our clinical team. And we provide these care calls, care support calls. And our care staff will contact Sarah Jane, for instance, at home and check, you know, did she, how did she get on today? You know, and then that is a vital component of our service because mm-hmm. it's, it's it's giving that um that one-to-one feeling that that personable approach that it's not just tech going into a home to monitor somebody it's actually the full 360 of the care the circle of care that we provide because some of these devices you're right can be very big and clunky and you know i honestly from my own experience i cannot see the attraction of an elderly person wearing them half the time because they're, they're just more of a nuisance and and i think at the same time People are living longer, they want to live more independently. They also want to live with dignity and don't be kind of like one of the things I really remember as well when the first smartphones came out for elderly people. Like it was well intentioned, but it was also a bit kind of, you know, condescending, you know, big gigantic buttons. And, you know, people don't ever stop wanting to be either stylish or independent or whatever. I mean, the body may age, but the mind doesn't. And uh, I think that's the, the key here is dignity. And, um, the also thing as well, I mean, you know, our, our, our health system, you know, as, as, as much as we've got great people working in the health system, it's, it's not the most best managed health system. And there's a lot of, lot of problems. And the last places people want to go is into the health system before their time as well. So is, is it a recognition that we're all going to be living longer at home and, you know, that to, to do so, to do so without, you know, any, any problems is, is the key here? Well, I suppose, you know, obviously with Halo Care, you know, that are there the two things we want to, you know, instill with our with our technology because it's so discreet. When you walk into somebody's house, you don't even know it's there. You don't, you mm. have no, so it's not telling somebody that they're old before their time. And mm. 
making sure they have the, the respect and the dignity that they are afforded to in their twilight years. Mm. Um, I think that's what's seen, you know, the, why Halo Care has been such a great success over the last year and this year as well, that we've done, we've been really successful in the B2C marketplace in the sense that, you know, the, the technology has been adopted very, very easily. Mm. Um, when it comes to healthcare, I suppose it's slightly different. You know, we 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 have this terminology, patient-centered care. And unfortunately, over every successive generation, and it's not just here in Ireland, it's globally as well. I mean, you know, I've I've worked internationally for the last 10 years, mostly abroad and in the Middle East and, and in Europe as well. And you know, you're brought in to do a transformation of a service. So it's a redesign of the theaters, it's a redesign of the acute systems or any sort of a, a different division in a hospital. And then nobody ever thinks that it's the patient patient has to still arrive up to the hospital, try and find parking. Then they've got to go and see their consultant. They have to wait outside for a couple of hours. Then they've got to go over to phlebotomy to get their bloods. Then they have to go to x-ray to get their, their radiology to get their x-ray done. So we're forcing the patient to maneuver around a physical structure. Mm. Whereas what COVID has taught us now is that, you know, hospitals had to pivot. Healthcare providers had to pivot during the pandemic. They had no choice. They mm. still had patients who required care, but they couldn't physically come into the hospital. So what could they do? Oh, we'll set up virtual clinics. We'll set up virtual wards. We'll do all this remote patient monitoring. We'll do hospital in the home type services. And it didn't flop. It worked really well. And the general public adopted to this and thought, well, do you know what? This is great, actually. I don't have to go down and sit in my GP's waiting area with 20 other people who are all coughing and sneezing. You know, I can actually have a video call with my GP. I can have mm. a video my physio, my OT, you know, and then, you know, when Halo Care were looking at, you know, looking at the services they could provide as well, it was a case of, well, why should an older person who is more vulnerable in, in their older age, who may suffer from a chronic disease, be forced into the public health system or the private health system and have to wait in there? Mm. So it's really about wrapping the services around the, the, the person at a time when they need it at a cost when they need it. And I think it's also giving the clients and our patients autonomy over their own health care that you control when you're going to receive it and how you will um, receive that health care. And I think mm. that that has been the great success out of um, all the innovative all the innovations that have come out through COVID is that people are now saying, Do you know what, actually, no, I don't want to drive four hours from, you know, from Dublin or from Cork to Dublin or from Wexford. I live in Wexford, so I would have to go to Waterford or to Dublin, you know, to see a consultant. Mm. There is have the facilities in um, specialist facilities, I suppose, in Wexford that, that I would have in Dublin, for instance, or Cork or Galway. So now we can actually provide those services to anybody living, you know, in Valencia Island, for instance, you could still have a consultant um, a consultation. That makes so much sense to me. I remember um, I took my late mother to see a consultant uh, a few years ago and I stayed with her the whole time and went in with her and everything. And I remember seeing... Um, in the hospital at the time, a delivery man or, or someone who works in the office wheeling a big stack of folders because obviously they decided to deal with a certain amount of patients on a certain day and everyone was queuing and waiting and literally the meeting itself took about 10 minutes. And I think, and just as you said there about the how it could have been done over video and that resonates so much, that would save a lot of time and effort, saved her a lot of uh, awkwardness, whatever. You know, but the, the the other thing was how much of their files were big brown paper boxes or folders, you know, and I'm going, I said to myself, you know, surely in this day and age, with all the technology we have available to us, that surely a lot of this could have been digitized and made easier. But that's the thing, as people get older, 
I and you know and, and they, they you know they're, they're at home. They don't want to be doing all that moving around and and getting on buses or trains or whatever. Parking, there, trying to park cars and God knows the hospital car parks are exorbitant as they are. You know, there's all of that stress. Um, yeah, some some things. I mean, you could even do like if you think about it, you could join the dots. I mean, you saw that Irish company called Let's Get Te- Checked, for example, doing great things. You know, you mentioned their bloods. You know, surely there's ways we could do all of this that could be self-managed at home. Like if you're, you know. You know, I mean, you're not going to take away the need to see a doctor or you know the physical aspect of hospital ever, but certainly there's certain things that could save you having to spend huge chunks of what life's left to you sitting around, waiting around, moving around, when you'd rather be just at home living your life. No, we had we were at the um, HSE National Digital Conference there a few weeks ago with Martin Curley, and if you saw the innovations, the Irish companies that are just flourishing here with all these different products, mm. and I got up to present then, you know, halfway through the day, midway, and I was thinking, you know what? You've got a product and a certain you've got a product targeting cardiology, you know, targeting um epilepsy, targeting respiratory. And I think that's what we have here in Halo Care is we have an aura platform, right? Which is our proprietary software. And inside that platform, we can then facilitate the best of breed and technology to integrate into our aura. So therefore, look, we there is a company in Dublin, I know, that do mobile radiology services. And you've got that other company, yeah, let's get checked. Then you've got mobile phlebotomy services. I think you know, when it comes to the the public health system, whether it's here, the UK, or even in the Middle East, they all have their flaws. None of them are perfect, regardless of how much money you can pump into it, you know, especially in the Middle East, they still have their flaws. They're not working 100%. Mm. But I really think that at this stage now, that people giving people the autonomy to take control of their own health. And, and that's what we've done. We've designed Halo Care. You know, we have a clinical advisory board with Dr. Rona Mahoney, Dr. Johnny Walker, Dr. Dermot Power. So we have Dr. Edwina Dunn as well. We have really incredible people that are sitting around with different specialties and saying, do you know what, you know, these are the types, these are our pillars. So our pillars are social and wellness. And then we have another pillar, which is around clinical. And the other one is around safety and activity. So we're able to give that holistic view of a, of a of an older person living at home. And then you can actually put in the services, which is, do they need an x-ray? Do they need their bloods taken? Do they need, you know, um, a physio uh, video conference call? Do they need an OT call? Do they need a physical meeting? And that's, you know, that's where you kind of grade it up that, you know, when it gets to. So when you're looking at the acute hospital systems here, there's mm. only so many beds you can yeah. make. Only so many. And I know when I came back from Dubai, I was, um, I was most recently in Dubai and, you know, everybody was screaming at the HSE to get more beds, get more ICU beds with the lowest, you know, in the in the EU. And But, you know, it takes years to train a nurse to, to get to an ICU standard. You know, it mm. takes takes a minimum of seven years before you can walk onto a ward without even looking at a machine and knowing that a patient is about to code on you, is about to have a cardiac arrest. And mm-hmm. that takes time. So, you know, we we don't have the nurses. We don't have enough yeah. nurses coming out. We don't have enough clinicians going coming out of universities either. And this is not just for Ireland. This is globally. We don't have it. We have this massive, massive shortfall. We have, you know, um, Philips Healthcare, for instance, are monitoring ICU beds out in the Middle East from their command centre in London because they don't have enough nurses to do a one-to-one special, which is best in practice that you have to do. So the technology is there and it just depends on the organisations who are willing to to pilot it and then adopt it very quickly. And Mm. having that vision and knowing that no matter what, you cannot manufacture a nurse out of thin air or a doctor out of thin air. So let's look at the next best thing. We can't have 
the waiting lists and trolleys. I mean, I'm, I'm out of nursing at least 20 years, so I'm showing my age here now. <laughs> but I can tell you that, you know, the waiting list, the people on trolleys waiting in A&E has not changed in 20 years. So, you know, I'm hoping that COVID will have taught, you know, governments across the globe that actually, you know what, we need to come up with some new, a different model of care. Care for the older person, which is this hybrid model, which is using the carers more effectively and using the technology that's there that has proven to be effective, you know, our, the feedback from our, our BTC and the client base at the moment has been so positive that, you know, we've, we have um, one lady actually was telling me last week that when she used to phone her mother 10 or 15 times a day just to check in on her, check in on her. Now she doesn't have to because we have an app, a halo. It's called a circle of care app. And on that app, you can see how many times your mom opened and closed the front door, how many times she went to the bathroom, how many times she turned on the kettle. So it gives you a picture of, oh, mom got up at eight o'clock this morning. She had her breakfast because she was in the kitchen. She turned on the microwave for her porridge. Then she went into the sitting room and she sat down to watch her show in the morning. It gives you that whole picture. So you don't have to worry. And she said that now she phones her mom literally because she wants to talk to her rather than phoning her just to check in on her all the time. So it takes that pressure off the carers mm. as well. well. That's the thing. I mean, you hit on a very good point about people. There aren't enough people and this could be a kind of a force multiplier. Like, I'm sure that doctor who met my mum that day could have probably rattled through a load of interviews over the video, for example. When it comes down to people be able to manage themselves in their own homes though is is there a sense of pushback though of, uh, you know if someone says well i don't maybe i don't want my family knowing how many times i used a microwave today or you know because it, 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 there's there is there is that privacy part of it does that come into it is now all of this is designed around the needs of the individual so you know we have multiple services and different types of technology and devices so it, it really is around their needs and what they want you know yeah of course you know you don't we're not putting in it's not a a, a one-size-fits-all it's not like that it is a bespoke service that mm. the client has to be involved in their care plan and the information that is then given to their circle of care. And actually, you know, so far, the majority of the people that, that have reached out to us have been, have asked for it themselves. It hasn't been their, their, their children or, or siblings or anything like that. It's been the client themselves has said, do you know what? I want this because... Mm. Historically in Ireland, you know, once you, you started to, to decline in old age and you required supports, it was either a nursing home or the hospital, the acute system had to take you in. You mm -hmm. know, so we didn't have a step down, I suppose, phase for an older person where they could age in grace at home in hmm. independently on their own terms. Yeah, because that's where they'd rather be. Yeah, and the research is out there globally that people want to age in place in their own home, you know, and doing the things and getting around their daily lives without having, you know, if, if they obviously if you need to have the physical care to help you with your activities of daily living, then of course that, that must be there. But, you know, if you don't want somebody standing around watching you all the time either. So that's why the use of Halo Care and our devices, you know, you'd literally walk into a house and you wouldn't even know that Halo Care was there. And and, and how how, how pervasive is your technology at this moment in time? And I, I mean, I know it's only started there before the pandemic. <laughs> Give you time, but uh, how, how many how many people are using it yet? How, like, what, what's holding you back? And also, I suppose the next one is. Are you current? Are you confined to Ireland? Do you see this as a global play? No, no. Um, you know, so David Walsh and Niall Kelly, um, I, I'm sure you're aware, set up Netwatch and um, they set up Netwatch as a global organisation. And Halo Care has been founded on the exact same principles. You know, we're starting here in Ireland. We're based here in Carlow. We have a state of the art care hub that honestly, 
I mean, I've only ever seen something like it in the Middle East. There's definitely nothing like it in Europe. I mean, I brought my children in one weekend to have a look at it and uh, they thought it was like NASA. So, you know, it is incredible. And um, and so, no, we're starting here. We have um, we've been approached by the HSE to do a couple of projects with them and a couple mm. of private providers here in Ireland as well. So we want to do those. And then, you know, we, we align ourselves with international best practice. We're looking at the UN, the SDG goals for development and healthcare globally. Um, you know, we've had calls internationally, but we just we wanted to spend this year really kind of solidifying ourselves here in Ireland, really, you know, getting good traction here, which is happening. Thank you. And uh, and then we'll go international and scale after that. So the next question I have for you is you mentioned there you were a nurse. Um, how easy is it for someone who is in nursing? Or doc- I mean, I, I've met, I've talked to Dr. Johnny Walker before and, and he's a great entrepreneur. But that, that jump from, you know, medical professional to entrepreneur, is that something that came natural to you? Um, I suppose I got very disillusioned with nursing. I was doing a lot of agency nursing. I worked in I worked in obstetrics, gynecology, maternity, all the A and E's, ICUs, theatres everywhere. I was in James's for a lot of that time. We set up the medical assessment unit in James's, and I was doing a lot of night shifts then. And I just thought, you know what? I need to kind of move over, get out of nursing for a while. So I did, and I, I worked with Baxter Healthcare then for about five years, and um, that was definitely the dark side, according to the nurses, when you went in to sell them the product. Um, but that gave me a great grounding in business um, and sales and operations. And, and that kind of took me in a different direction. And um, RCSI had a project out in Qatar about 10 years ago. And off I went to Qatar with my two children and my mother. And um, it was just an incredible experience working for RCSI. It was like getting a master's, um, you know, working with them and at that level. And then I was fortunate the client asked me um, to stay on afterwards and to manage some large scale transformational projects. Um, with them, which which were really innovative because it was, they had just built Sidra Medicine, which was a state-of-the-art uh, women and children's hospital um, that cost similarly to our National Children's Hospital. And we had to transfer all the services across from the current women and children's hospital to the new one. And then it was looking at, you know, licensing all physicians across the whole country. And Hammond Medical Corporation has eight facilities spread across the country. So they were introducing all these new services, ambulatory services, um, ambulance services, um, patient at home um, monitoring services. So it was a really, really incredible opportunity to be there and to learn from the best that they, they brought in, the very best from all over the world. So you'd have the Americans, the Australians and the Irish, obviously, with RCSI and um, and that, that was just an incredible opportunity and um, and then I came back here and I was working doing some consultancy for Ernest & Young um, on the bid of the National Children's Hospital which we successfully won with Accenture and then I went to Malta and I was managing a private hospital group out in Malta and then I came back to Ireland and I was managing a domestic violence service for male victims of domestic domestic violence. And that was um, a two year uh, transformational project with them. So I suppose I've, I've moved around, John. You've been busy. You've been busy. <laughs> yeah, well, do you know what? I've been very, very fortunate in the sense that I've had incredible leaders, incredible directors that I've worked under that, you know, have kind of just let me grow and develop and and um, have always been very, very supportive. And 
that was the, the, the one thing that drew me into Halo Care. When I met um, David, I said to him, you know, I wanted, he said, what, what drew you to Halo Care? And there was two things. One was I wanted to see if the culture was really true, which it was. He, you know, didn't let me down. And, and I've been very fortunate that, you know, that is what he's embedded into the organization since he stepped into the chairman's role. And the other was that I was in Dubai about two years ago when COVID hit. And mm. uh, I was brought over to transform the radiology services across the Northern Emirates. And when COVID hit us, obviously all our revenues plummeted and all our, our clinics and everything were shut down. And I proposed this similar type of organization. I said, look, patients are never going to go back into the hospital unless they really, really have to. You know, what if you could do other pre-op, their post-op at home, get them out of hospital with the early discharge teams? You know, you could run the hybrid model of the carer going into the home to do the activities of daily living, physically changing the cannulas and IV fluids. But then you use the technology that's out there to to support the 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 patient to live independently but you know david beat me he had you know he had a, he had similar ideas um to this as well so you know there was kind of the synergy when i came in here that you know that i saw wow and and you know i believe this is the the future of healthcare and that's the thing i mean uh having you know i, I lost both my parents in recent years and my mum left three years ago and uh, i can only describe the experience uh despite you know the efforts of nurses and doctors and everything for 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 just a loved one it's it's harrowing just just uh, not not so much just the um the experience of 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 your loved one but some of the mistakes that have been made the the the, the errors the delays the, the frustrations uh of those 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 times and you know when you when you think back as what what you really hope for is will there ever be a time when I mean I'm not just talking about the HSE in Ireland but I suppose healthcare systems generally, like it seems to come down to, t- to primarily people and then organisation. Do you think we'll ever get to a time where it'll be a balanced system where people can live their lives? You know you can't predict the future. You can't predict what's going to happen to you. You can't predict an accident, for example, or you can't. No one sees an illness coming, and you know, but. To a point where these holdups, these acute bottlenecks, all the all of these frustrations and things that really, you know, make people even 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 if even if the people who are professionals are doing their absolute best in these hospitals and everything else, people who are just looking there with frustration will speak badly of, of the whole thing and you know you know say 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 oh it's a terrible system. Is there is there ever going to be a, a, a balancing in this where you got? you know people being able to live with dignity at home but also you know when, when the time comes and they need those services that it's not going to be such a trauma for for the for the patient obviously but also for their loved ones yeah i do i mean i you know i am a nurse you know and mm. I, I got into nursing because i wanted to help that was the whole mm. reason nobody in any of these hospitals here or internationally has is in there for the money or for the glory or anything like that they mm. really genuinely want to help when you see that those nurses are still struggling 20, 25 years later when I've left nursing and there's still the same problems there, you can become disheartened and you mm-hmm. can think, you know, is, as you said, is it ever going to be fixed? Will there ever be a solution for this? The thing is, you know, I think that COVID brought the whole world to a standstill. I mean, mm. nothing has ever done that before. And COVID is only the start. The first, that's the first pandemic. It will, we will have another 
increase in numbers again, and COVID variations coming next winter. There will be another virus that will come after this, and we're into a completely different new realm of healthcare. And in order to meet the demands of that, we need a new model of healthcare provision. Mm. So I do. I think there is definitely there is a drive towards the technology. There is a drive to remote patient monitoring. You know, designing new models of healthcare in the home. What can be taken out of the acute system? You know, we mm. only have a certain amount of beds per hospital in this country. You know, you just you can't put them in and you will not get the staff and everybody on the planet knows that we cannot get the the clinicians and the ones that we have we need to nurture them you need to look after them not so they don't turn out like me and jump ship and leave the health system because they're exhausted or they're burnt out or they're disillusioned I mean I um, I just you know my heart goes out to them they are they do an incredible job and they are professionals you know they Mm -hmm. are degree and master qualified you know, nurses and and obviously the physicians as well. So, you know, I think that we need to be, our governments and private providers need to be able to support these nurses and these clinicians to deliver that care. I mean, there is, there is nothing, it was the best training I ever got was being a nurse. You know, there is nothing you can ever take away from sitting there and and holding an older person's hand who is dying and the family cannot get in. And you are the last person they're going to see on this earth. You know, and I'm only 20, 21 at the time, for instance, you know, mm-hmm. you know, they are things that were telling a family that that somebody has been in an accident and they didn't make it. You know, mm-hmm. those moments or, you know, I trained in, in London, the Whittington. So we had a lot of Irish that wouldn't come home because they didn't do so well over in, in England. And, you know, they might have been embarrassed to come back here. And, you know, you know, they're, you know, your heart to break for these people. But when you're there for people, when they are at their most vulnerable and at their lowest, you know, that, that that's that's your metal. That is that's the proof of who you are. And, you know, we are very fortunate to have some of the most highly trained nurses and doctors in Ireland, you know, and, you know, they're highly valued across the globe. We just need to make sure that they stay here, that they don't emigrate, that they don't go off to the Middle East or to Australia um, and take with them all that knowledge and expertise because they are they're an incredible um, an incredible force for us to have here for good and looking after our healthcare. Yeah, and I think I think that's the thing as well. Is, is we don't know what's coming next. With you know, what's coming next could be a lot worse than what we we put up so far. And you know, the health system was challenged every in every country. Um, hopefully, now the technologies that you guys are are developing will will go a long way. I mean, certainly the founders have the have the caliber and the the expertise to they've delivered before to deliver again. And it must be a very exciting time to be in the spearhead of that. Yeah, no, it is absolutely. You know, um, I mean, it really is. We're 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 incredibly fortunate to have those three founders um, together. I mean, Johnny's clinical and entrepreneurial background, you know, is second to none. He's, he, and his energy is boundless. You know, and then having David and Niall as well after you know their huge success story with Netwatch and and their global reach. You know, I mean, you know, we're we're a startup with a difference. I must say, in that sense, you know. And then we have our clinical advisory board and we have a commercial advisory board. You know, so we're built to scale, which is it's, it's you know, it's very it's very there's very few startups, I suppose, that can claim that um, immediately. And, you know, as, as a, in, the, in the first year or two of business that, you know, we are built to scale. So, yeah, we're very fortunate. I mean, I think that, you know, that David and I and Johnny, they, they when they came together, they really saw the value of this. And then, you know, over the last year are developing our relationships with the HSE. They see it, too. And they know themselves that they have to come up with a new model. And they've been very supportive. And, you know, they're, they're not sitting there with their head in the sands going, we're just ignoring this. They're not. They're looking at solutions and they're reaching out, not just to us, but to other startups in the healthcare and saying, look, at how can we integrate you into the 
HSE. So, you know, they are being very forward thinking, I must say, you know, so I, I would I would have great hope for the HSE compared to some other other countries, some other healthcare providers that I would have worked with on a consultancy basis over the years, you know, that they they end up just being the laggards and end up just taking too too long to try and introduce a service or a transformational project or something into their health system. And then they've missed the boat. Mm-hmm. So I think that the HSE, um, the senior leadership in there have learned an awful lot over it, especially through COVID. And, and they're looking at now thinking, okay, let's let's move it on to the next level of how we can do this. Well, hopefully now you guys will be in, in the vanguard of that change. Um, so thanks so much, Sarah Jane O'Dor. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much, John.